It's Tuesday, April 7th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, voters are headed to the polls for the Wisconsin primary to cast their ballots in person, despite orders from the governor to stay home. We'll dive into the drama and look at what voting during a pandemic could mean for November. Then, hydroxychloroquine. It's a very long word and also a very strong drug that's making headlines. We'll tell you why some think it can help fight COVID-19. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Okay. The COVID-19 pandemic is a rapidly changing story with lots of moving parts, and we're going to help you sort out what exactly you need to know, starting with the three big developments of the day. And the news we're going to start with has changed a lot over the last couple of days. Wisconsin is doing what no health authority is advising and what critics call undemocratic. Wisconsin is set to hold its Democratic primary today. The state's Democratic governor says Republicans are forcing people to choose between their health and their right to vote. Even though Wisconsin's governor declared a state of emergency and the whole state is under orders to stay home, people are still heading out to vote in person today. So what happened in Wisconsin? Last week, after every other state that was scheduled to vote this month either postponed its primary or moved to vote by mail only, Wisconsin's governor, Tony Evers, said, no can do. He tweeted that he doesn't have the power to move the state's elections without violating state law. The state legislature was supposed to talk about it at a special session on Saturday. But that ended after just a few minutes without talking about the election. The April 2020 special session is adjourned. So the Democratic governor tried one last ditch effort to prevent people from having to head outside to the polls during a pandemic. Evers issued an executive order yesterday, moving the election to June 9th. I cannot in good conscience allow any types of gathering that would further the spread of this disease and to put more lives at risk. But like Evers said himself, he doesn't really have the power to do that. So the Republican-led legislature challenged the order in court. And yesterday evening, Wisconsin's state Supreme Court sided with them, saying the state's constitution doesn't support the governor's, quote, broad sweep of power. It's not really clear why Evers waited so long to try to move today's election. But in any case, voters in Wisconsin who didn't apply for absentee ballots or who didn't get them in the mail yet had to leave their homes and head to the polls. The state says it's taking precautions. For example, there are limits on how many people can be in the polling station at once. Voters also have to use hand sanitizer before they vote. And polls are supposed to have markers so voters stay six feet away from poll workers. Unfortunately, those precautions will probably make voting take longer, especially since a lot of poll workers refuse to show up to work today. The National Guard was actually called in to take their place. Polls are open until 9 p.m. Eastern, but we might not know the full results of today's election until next week, when all the absentee ballots have been counted. Wisconsin is getting all the attention for voting during a pandemic today, but this is something other states have had to figure out too. Remember, the presidential election is just around the corner in November. Some Democratic lawmakers are saying the country should make the November election social distancing friendly and adopt universal vote by mail. But President Trump has spoken out against those proposals. Here he was on Fox News last week. Uh, they had things, uh, levels of voting that if you ever agreed to it, you'd never have a Republican elected in this country again. So, yes, 
Voting during a pandemic? That's new. And as states try to balance the future of the country with the health of constituents, they're figuring out that there's really no playbook here. But we can expect to hear about this fight over voting by mail, whether that's not only possible, but necessary in the future. Our second headline today involves a drug called hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, try saying that five times fast. It's a drug that's recently been making a lot of headlines. That's because President Trump has been promoting the drug as a possible breakthrough in treating COVID-19. It can help them, but it's not going to hurt them. That's the beauty of it. Even as America's top medical officials urge caution about rushing out a treatment that hasn't really been tested the way it should be. But before we get into the big debate over hydroxychloroquine, what is it exactly? Hydroxychloroquine is a drug approved by the FDA for treating malaria. Think the disease spread by mosquitoes and lupus, an autoimmune disease. But it's in the news because some doctors think it might help treat COVID-19 too. And they're turning to it in a pinch. Here's why some people think hydroxychloroquine can help. In March, researchers in France reported that 20 COVID-19 patients treated with hydroxychloroquine and the antibiotic azithromycin led to some surprisingly good results. And even before that study was formally published, claims of a COVID cure hit the airwaves. One lawyer went on Fox News claiming that this combo of drugs had a 100% cure rate in that study. And soon, President Trump started promoting hydroxychloroquine in his COVID-19 press briefings. I may take it, and I'll have to ask my doctors about that, but I may take it. So is hydroxychloroquine really the cure Trump claims it is? First off, we should say the only person you should take medical advice from about COVID-19 or anything really is your doctor. And that's important because after President Trump started talking about it, people started trying to find it, and the results were deadly. An Arizona man in his 60s took a form of chloroquine and died after consuming it. And in Nigeria, health officials are scrambling to stop people from taking the drug after at least two people were hospitalized with chloroquine poisoning. So that's obviously a red flag. But that said, there are some medical professionals who say this drug is worth pursuing. In New Jersey, a top medical institute is starting a clinical trial of hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin in treating COVID patients. And in Detroit, a medical system is signing up 3,000 health workers to see if hydroxychloroquine helps protect them from infection. Keep in mind, the FDA still hasn't approved any drugs to treat COVID-19. But late last month, it did grant what's called an emergency use authorization, allowing hydroxychloroquine to be given to COVID-19 patients who couldn't be enrolled in clinical trials. In New York, some 4,000 patients are reportedly now being treated with the drug. And there are stories about doctors turning to this drug out of desperation in other parts of the country, too. And yet, not everyone's on board. Some hospitals in Sweden have stopped using hydroxychloroquine on COVID patients after some started experiencing side effects like blurred vision. And the head of the American Medical Association recently said she wouldn't prescribe the drug due to severe cardiac side effects. She literally warned, quote, your heart could stop. Not only that, but this rush on hydroxychloroquine could hurt other people for whom the drug is approved as treatment. Patients with serious conditions like lupus are having trouble finding their medicine after the White House's promotion of the drug led people to start stockpiling. And the White House isn't just promoting it, they're buying it up, 
Trump says the U.S. has 29 million pills in storage already. And today, Trump succeeded in pressuring India to partially lift a medical export ban and send some of its stockpile to the U.S. Doctors are still just starting to prescribe this drug in large numbers, and clinical trials are only just beginning. But if early results from hospitals and laboratories start coming back with good news, being among the first countries to load up on this drug could put the U.S. ahead of the game. Which brings us to our third big story of the day. Today, Japan declared a state of emergency to deal with the COVID-19 pandemic. Here's Japan's Prime Minister, Shinzo Abe. And the coming one month until the end of the 6th of May, I am canceling all the major events across the country. So this is clearly a big deal in Japan today. But it's also been a long time coming. Japan was one of the first countries to deal with COVID-19 cases back in January, but it's waited until April to enact these measures. So why did it take so long to get to this point? For weeks, we've heard about how low Japan's infection rate was as they held off enacting stronger measures to keep people home. While many of us have had to reshape our lives, in Japan, life seems to have stayed pretty normal. Late last month, people were still going to view the cherry blossoms and eat in packed restaurants. But there were warnings that this calm wouldn't last long. Some experts have been saying testing in Japan isn't where it needs to be. There have been fears that thousands of infected people could be walking around spreading the virus without even knowing it. So far, the country has only been testing the most high-risk people. For weeks, the country has focused on isolating clusters of infections and containing them. But now, they're seeing so many cases in Tokyo, experts are warning the virus could be growing exponentially. Reports say Japan's prime minister didn't act earlier because he didn't want to hurt the economy. Plus, Japan was scheduled to host the 2020 Olympics this summer, and there was a lot of cash on the line. Some estimates said that if the games were canceled, Japan would lose up to $75 billion. Meanwhile, on Sunday, after Tokyo recorded its highest number of new infections yet, 143 new cases, public health officials are warning things could get out of hand. Today, Abe tried to get ahead of that by declaring a state of emergency for Tokyo and six prefectures, which are kind of like states. But think of it as a stay-at-home request, not an order, because he can't really order people to stay home. The Constitution would have to change to give him that authority. So he's asking non-essential businesses and stores to close and cancel events, rather than forcing them. The severity of Japan's COVID-19 outbreak might be getting a late start. And that's making the country rethink its approach to containing the virus. It turns out its new plan, a stay-at-home request, is a lot like what we've had here in the U.S. for weeks in some states. Like we said, there's a lot happening right now. To keep up to date on the latest news about COVID-19, head over to theskim.com slash COVID updates. Okay, we're pressing pause on the latest developing stories to talk about tonight's super pink moon. It's going to be the biggest supermoon of 2020. Super means it's really close to Earth, but the super pink moon is not actually pink. It's named that way because the full moon in April is the first full moon of spring, when pink wildflowers are known to bloom in the US. So it'll be more gold than pink. 
But still, it'll be really big, really bright, and a reason to press pause and do some moon gazing. Maybe even check out some stars, too. No matter your situation, sometimes you just need to press pause. And every week, we're sending out an email with some of our favorite things to help you take a break. To sign up, head on over to theskim.com slash press pause. And that's all for Skim This. Remember, we want to hear your shout outs. Maybe it's a message for a friend working on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic or a loved one who you can't physically meet up with right now. Give us a call at 646-461-6370 and leave us a voicemail. For more updates throughout the day, follow us on Instagram at The Skim. 